Hey, it's Liam Horn, and you're watching CMS TV. What the fuck is up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Chris Aiken Presents, round number two of the night with myself and Mr. Eric Farentinos. What is up, sir? Oh, man, what a day. What a day. The Flat Earth <laughs> Smackdown earlier yeah. on the Seth Williams show. For and that was fun. For, the, for those of you that can't get enough of myself and Eric, there's, there's even more of me and Eric that you can catch. By uh, going back and watching the Seth Williams show, so that was that was so much fun, wasn't it? It was uh, very cool. Uh, Flat Earth, one of my personal favorite topics. I'm probably most passionate about. Sure. And it was difficult not to hijack the entire <laughs> podcast. So believe me, I had to hold myself back. I was like, "Don't do it. Don't do it. Be respectful to this <laughs> to this guest," because I was just wanted to be a know it all. Right. <laughs> ooh, ooh, pick me to talk. <laughs> yeah, but it was, I, I mean, I thought it was just a lot of fun, man. It was just, you know, it, it was one of those shows. It, it wasn't meant to be musical. It wasn't meant to be, um, you know, what even what me and Seth normally do. It was meant to be different. And I knew ahead of time that I could ask you to be on this thing and you would be all about it because <laughs> I get email after email it's funny i have i have these worlds of um of mine i have you in my life and i have neely in my life and each of you texts me your world a lot so all during the week i'll get texts from you that'll be like here's the reason that the titan sub was an insurance scam and here's a 45 page document on this thing. And I'm to like, clarify, Dang. that was, uh, I said, Chris, I, I mentioned that the Titanic itself being an, a scam having to do with insurance. Right. But a tie in with uh, the sub. Right. And being a hoax, uh, in my opinion. But yes, that's the type of things he gets from me. Plus uh, a, 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 a bunch of new vaccine related deaths. Right. Usually, exactly. Like, uh, I get a lot of that too. <laughs> which is fine i'm game i'm game see unlike unlike people that have it in their head that they know everything i don't and i know i don't and therefore i'm okay to just be like tell me teach me and i might believe all of it and i might believe none of it and that doesn't matter yeah. I, I think you, even even for you as somebody that's has a has a passionate belief around it i don't think you I think you're more willing to talk to somebody that'll listen and and dis and not believe it than you are somebody that'll just come in and go, well, it's all bullshit and you're just an idiot, you know? Right. The only time there is so much disinformation out there, though, and mm -hmm. as we've discussed, even in our government, uh, we have entire branches of the military and the CIA that that's their main job that they go to nine to five and beyond mm -hmm. that every day to put disinformation out there. So I do see a lot of people that are trying to get into a, a greater understanding of our reality, but sure. they get swayed by a lot of disinfo and there's a lot of um, sites out there and things that'll chase people away. Uh, but even today, I, I, you know, as I mentioned uh, towards the end of Seth's show, it's, 
when you start going too biblical or religion, you'll scare people away too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's a lot of reasons for that, that people have that they're just not into uh, when things get too much about the Bible and so forth. Um, and they, most people probably generally prefer to follow science, mm-hmm. but as we've learned in the last couple of years, science is a lying ass bitch. Well, it's, there's nothing, there's no reality to the science now. That's the real, that's the ultimate issue with it is there's no reality. There's no reality to, if you watch it in a square box, it's generally a lie. You know, that's right. really what it comes down to now. If you ain't seeing it with your own eye, if I don't see a plane crashing, I don't necessarily know that it did. <laughs> you know, it's it's just like, what was I watching today? I was watching something about, um, they they were talking about some something that passed over the weekend. Mm-hmm. And they were like, yeah, well, while you guys were all talking about dead guys imploding in a sub, this got through. Oh, it was the thing Bill Gates with the um, fake meat that the oh, right. government the government signed off over the weekend to start mm-hmm. feeding us fucking fake meat. Which, by the way, the the science is in on that, and it and it uh, uses even more CO two to do the lab grown meat than it does right. real meat. So that, as typical, everything that they do is total BS. And and even uh, as we know, electric cars themselves, you know, they have to ravage the planet's resources to make the batteries for those things. Mm-hmm. And if you think it's doing the planet any good when those batteries are done, when they have to dispose of them, guess what? They're not. Yeah. Well, you can shoot them up to the firmament as I learned today and they could <laughs> hang up at the top. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. That's why learning traditional logic and critical thinking is so important. And that's why they're trying to dick that around in the schools from an early age and get you thinking about feelings instead of realities. They got to get you early. Yeah. They don't want you to have critical thinking. They don't want you to be able to dissect logic, logical thought. Look, I I ain't going to lie. I came into Flat Earth Guy today and and you guys' thing, 1,050% disbeliever. My, my my true thought was, this is going to be funny to listen to these guys talk for two hours about all this bullshit. I ain't going to lie. That's just the truth of it. And by the end of it, some of it makes me think I need to learn more about it. Right. And I'm not saying that I'm a believer or any of that kind of stuff. Or I, and certainly, I'm definitely not religion guy. You know, I'm definitely not that. Mm-hmm. You know, but... Some of the stuff that you guys were talking about, that shit about the Brant Mountain or whatever that was, Mount right. Brant, and that you could see it, it's like 800 miles away, and they were showing, and he was showing the pictures from 800 miles away, and you know, and then the math that says, well, there should be this much, right, this much arc, and and plus you're mm-hmm. lower by this much, and you know, I mean, a lot of that made some sense to where Look, I was they, like, they, hmm. they call them, they call our aircraft airplanes. Yeah. Okay. They don't call them air globes. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Like, and, and there's, there's a lot of proofs that have been right there in front of us the whole time. Uh, air travel for us, commercial travel, they, they go up about 35,000 feet. There's people that live here that have never been on a plane. I mm-hmm. wasn't on a plane till I was 10, but that was another head scratching moment when I got up there and the ground looked completely flat. It looked like flat. Right patches of like a puzzle on the mm-hmm. ground like the states look the cities look like puzzle pieces and yeah. i go oh my god i was expecting a ball kind of thing the windows of an airplane are kind of circular you know, <laughs> kind of deceiving but uh but the, the plane thing now when pilots go up 
they reach 35,000 feet, they just maintain that altitude. Yeah. They don't do any, I don't, I don't know where, why you would hear anything different than that. They are never compensating for the, for the curvature. They would constantly be having to pull up if that yeah. were the case. Yeah, you're and, right. and if we were spinning as silly as it sounds, uh, you could, you could go up, uh, on a, with a helicopter and just wait for the earth to, to yeah. the destination to reach you. It's, it's mm-hmm. flying a thousand miles an hour. It would only take, yeah, you just, I guess yeah, you could just go up and come back down. <laughs> but Hey, but everybody says gravity, bro, like gravity, like this magic sauce that you smear on anything that just answers all these questions yeah. we have. You just don't think about it. It's just gravity, mm-hmm. which gravity is a theory. For one, uh, right. I mean, there's there's facts like you know temperature, and buoyancy, and density, and well, and things like that. But there's other explanations, and and most of the time, you'll find that what people think um, is their proof that there's certain things that can only happen on a on a globe. You can sure. find that it, it may, works even better on a flat Earth. That makes even more sense. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the study was talking about what made sense. You know, the thing like like you're saying right now, as an example. I mean, a, a plane flies what. 500 miles an hour yeah they they even a little faster sometimes okay so so let's say how what's the fastest they can go 600 the commercial the ones yeah they can yeah. punch they can Six? make up for lost time and hit 600 yep but the what what you and flat earth guy were saying is that the earth is spinning at six thousand miles an no hour. it's spinning at a thousand miles an hour whilst falling through space allegedly at seventeen thousand uh miles an hour which and we don't feel anything because gravity bro well i'm just doing just basic basic dumb fat guy math here right if i'm going 600 miles an hour that way mm-hmm. and the earth is spinning a thousand miles an hour this way yeah. I'm never going to get to my destination. Bingo. I'll never get there. <laughs> That's right. You know, because I'll be losing 400, 400 miles every hour. I'll be right. further back 400 miles if it's spinning. Sure. So, yeah, again, again, came into it as a total, you guys are full of shit, but this will be fun. And came out of it with like, okay, there's some, there's stuff to think about here. And now I know between you and Flat Earth Guy, I'm going to get 4,000 more texts about, sure. well, read this, can bro, I, read can, that, bro. <laughs> let me please give my recommendation for the most please sane do. guy that you could listen to please about do. it. And his, his name is Mark Sargent, and he's he's the first guy that, that, that finally let me know why I had all these questions my whole life. And that was in okay. 2015 when he came out with a, a documentary called Flat Earth Clues. Okay. And this has been mirrored and shown a lot of times over the years and broken up. But he basically did, uh, I want to say like 12 clues. And each one is a segment letting you kind of like wrap your head around the whole theory of the flat earth and how it came to be and why they hid the truth from it. Right. And at the end, you know, he does have to, you know, he has to mention that, Hey, it appears this place was created by someone, you know, a compassionate God and everything we could ever want was here. Um, were, were there previous civilizations? Probably, you know, could the creator have, uh, made some enhancements and changes? I think definitely, yeah. Um, the, the tower of Babel, that story is, is amazing where, uh, humanity got so smart and, um, they decided to ravage all the earth's resources and make a tower that went all the way to the firmament or the heavens sure. to basically yell at God and say, we know what this place is. And, right. and they were actually achieving it. They were actually achieving it. So the story goes that God had to do something. So he struck down 
the tower and he created all the languages and right. uh, all the colors and made us as different as possible. And we all just scurried off into our own little tribes and just went with the people we understood. Right. And he thought that'll set him back for a while. That'll, that'll keep the <laughs> nice planetarium going a little longer. Right. And it did so far. We're still going, but. All right, let's move off of this for now, because otherwise we're going to get into a very long conversation that we already just had, you know, so um, check out Seth Williams. Yeah, Seth Williams, the Seth Williams show dot com. And it's up. I I can tell you for a fact that if you're a podcast person of CMS Network, it's already up. I put it up in between shows. So it's already there. It's on YouTube. It's on Rumble. It's on Odyssey. It's on it's not on BitChute yet, but it's everywhere else. So if you're if you're a fan Go check it out and prove uh, it. <laughs> and in addition to that, we Seth and I started the show talking about my weekend because it's rare that I have a weekend story to tell. Mm-hmm. But I, I snuck out and was the security guard for Mister Michael Francis Capo regime to the Colombo family. And Chris was photographed out in the wild. I was uh, just a rare <laughs> occurrence. I was. There's a picture of me out there, out there in the woods. Or not in the woods. I was actually, I was actually just backstage, and there was trees behind me. But, um, but um, yeah, I went out and did that. And dude, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm going to tell you a couple of stories that I did not tell on the Seth show. But the first thing, and I never thought I would ever feel this. There are guys that you meet that you just get a feeling are dangerous. Mm-hmm. Now, this guy is born-again Christian. Uh, you know, he he is definitely Bible guy. He, he espouses the Bible during his, his talk. He says a lot of other stuff, too, but he definitely, he definitely got out of the life. He does, I, I believe him fully when he says he's not into gangster stuff anymore, any of that mm-hmm. stuff. But when I met him in person, face-to-face for the first time, Michael Francis, I got that chill down my back, man. Like, ooh, be careful. You know, it wasn't run, but it was definitely be careful. You know, it, right. was, it was really, really, really kind of like, wow. Goodfellas vibes. Well, and maybe it's just because I know what he's done. And, you know, I've, I've watched a million of his podcasts and I've interviewed him myself and I've, you know, I've seen Goodfellas and every, you know, I've Mm -hmm. seen so much of this stuff that I, somewhere in my brain, I'm sure I associate it to pop culture of it. Yeah. But there was just a vibe. There was a vibe about, about him that was like, I could see in the eighties, if you saw this guy coming down the street, you kind of crossed the street. You know, I could totally see that. If you owed him money, you better pay it. Yeah, exactly. And he was a guy that made a ton of money. You know, he made billions of dollars with the gas, um, the gas um, ripoff where he ripped off the tax from the from the gas stations. And he had like 350 gas stations. He was making, he said during his talk, he was making between 10 and $12 million a week. Stealing gas tax. Wow. I was like, damn, that's good money. Like, I, yeah. I wouldn't mind working that just for a week. <laughs> just one week, I'd be good forever. But, but yeah, great, great time. I had a, I had a really, really fun time doing this thing. Um, and, it, and, and it was a new experience. And, and I'm always up for that. I'm always up for a new experience and something that's, you know, just outside of, I mean, dude, it's like, 
you go, you like you you go and you did, and we will talk about it here in a second. You, you know, you go out, and you play a show, play two shows. You see bands and you see you know people, and everybody's excited and and you know when you first get out on that stage, you got your heart beating a thousand miles a minute, and you got the stage juice. Hopefully, right? <laughs> well, yeah, really, but but I mean, honestly, every time you get out there, that first first notes or whatever, you got the stage juice going a hundred miles an hour, and you're 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 rocking. Right. And, and that being said, it's probably not as exciting anymore as it was 22 years ago. The first time that you ever played a gig with Steven or, or with um, Earshot or with whoever. Right. You know, right. Back, back in your high school or college, not college, but uh, your, your, um, your after high school bands. I'm sure you still had that rush, that really hard rush when you first got out on stage. This was so new to me, you know, to be out there and to be to be involved. I did not expect to be involved. I I honestly thought when they asked me to be security that that was kind of a you know, tip of the cap. You did a nice interview with us. We'd like you to be our guest. Mm-hmm. We'll have you walk him out to the stage and that'll be my security detail. Hell no. They were like making me work. It was yeah. work. <laughs> you know, and it was work and, and just talking to these guys that are involved in the in that life or have been involved in that life or whatever. They're not fuck around guys. They're definitely not, hey, what's up, buddy? How are you? Good to you good to see you know. They're yeah. like, All right, this is what we're gonna do. You know, I was like, mm-hmm. All right, let's do it. <laughs> you know? Very direct. Very direct. And mm-hmm. and it, it it just was I mean, it was a different kind of fun. But it was a lot of fun. It was something really different to do. Plus, I met a fucking mobster. How cool is yeah. that? I mean, hopefully, just... you're not on the FBI watch list now. Or well, I think he's past that point. I hope. And if not, and if they're not, fans of his, probably that's the that's they, the funny well, part. You know, well, just everybody. Yeah, every. I mean, it's 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 old news at this point. But right. that was one of the weird things too, dude. When I first walked in, or. I, I won't tell this story again, but basically the security detail got kind of goofed up a little bit. Like I was supposed to meet him at the hotel. Our pa- our lines got crossed between me and the stage manager and the Michael's personal manager. Okay. Everything got a little goofed up. And um, so I ended up being in the green room, you know, before Michael got there. <clears throat> and, um, when I was in the green room, the cops come in and did a sweep of the room. And I was like, what the fuck am I in for? here?" <laughs> and I mean, they did a sweep. They're like, who wow. are you? Why are you in here? Where did you get that badge? Who gave it to you? No, I've never they, heard of such a thing. Yeah. They came in and because this is a different world. Okay. This is a world where people end up blowing people up and shit the mob. Well, so then regardless of being retired, this is a very in the now thing that the police are yeah. aware of. They're present. That's what I was saying. Yeah. yeah well, they know. had cops there. I mean, they literally had cotton. These cops were big. I wouldn't fuck with them, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, but these two cops, these two cops came in and they did a full sweep of the, of the room, <laughs> you know, looking under the, under the little, do you think they were on the clock or because I've heard oh, they were police the getting, getting hired off the clock to do stuff? Well, like if, maybe. They, if they were off the clock, they were still wearing uniforms. They right. were wearing their Lorraine PD uniforms. Look at this. Mm-hmm. Sounds like backstage at a Ferentino's game. 
<laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> right. Although they could probably bu- they could probably bust you for pot. <laughs> they, they do a sweep for M and M's, right? Uh, or or what? What are those candies that Stephen used to eat all the time? The little square ones. Pez. No, oh, the little square. <laughs> He'd wear like a Pez necklace and just yeah. chew on it. I just remember the t- uh, first time Jolly I Ranchers. met Stephen with you was the was mm-hmm. it Jolly Ranchers or was Starburst? It, uh, Starburst. Starbursts. Yes. And he had a ten pound bag of Starbursts <laughs> on the table, and he was eating them like he hadn't eaten dinner in a month. He was just like, <laughs> I was embarrassed because I we were playing uh, a few weeks ago and backstage was the biggest bowl of m&ms i've ever seen it was in uh oklahoma <laughs> and it was I, I don't know if it was for steven adler or if it was for right. our band uh but i was going wow they're just gonna leave there it was like the size of like a goldfish bowl you know and i ended up like putting it in my suitcase and taking it home and that's the last thing that i should be doing because i could eat m&ms by the handful you know right i finally gave them to susan i go please take these please take them to work get them out of here i can't have them here at all <laughs> that's funny man yeah that's and 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 i'm sure for you it's like this is the last thing you need to see backstage is something you actually want because you're trying right. so hard to be like salmon guy and uh not this weekend but uh no, no. please let's uh, finish talking about this gangster thing i could talk about the show yeah thing we'll talk later. about it a little later but yeah no the, so i mean so we do the talk the the talk up for this gig and this is a story i'm, I'm i'll tell now because I don't know if I could tell it on CMS or not. <laughs> if you could believe that, that there's something I'm not sure I could tell on CMS. But um, so Neely's Neely was there. Neely showed. Neely came out right for, for this thing, which was very cool. It was great to see him. And um, and not in conjunction with Neely, just happened to be the way this worked out. Neely's brother-in-law, biggest mob guy fan out there i didn't know this at all we call him officer jim on the show okay and so officer jim was there and um and neely comes over and he finds me and he sits down we're talking for a minute and he's like he's like hey do you think that we could hook officer jim up to meet michael and i was like i don't know you know it's not really my crowd I was a little weird about, I mean, everybody, again, I, and I, I can't stress this enough. These guys were super, super nice to me. So right. any fears or any of that kind of shit that I had are my own. They're just my own from watching way too many mafia movies. Not, exactly. not from anything at all. That I, I mean, these guys were as normal and nice as anybody could be. That being said, I felt kind of weird asking for extra passes because they already did hook me up too. They hooked me up for Neely. They hooked me up for my mom, who was a big mafia fan. Like again with these passes, huh? Yeah. What am I going to do with you, Aiken? They they hooked up Seth. They hooked up Seth's wife. Then they hooked up this guy Tony that goes to um that that does a segment on the Seth show with us. So they hooked up. You know, he gave he gave me five hundred dollars worth of tickets. You know, and I was like, wow, that's a lot. And then Neely's like, hey, do you think we can get Officer Jim in? And I was like, let me see what I can do. Now, as the backstory, Officer Jim hates me. (laughs) He does not like Chris Aiken. I think Neely says, he said, as of yesterday, I'm off the hate list. But, But literally, I was on the hate list, not the dislike list. Because I, I dropped a C-bomb on his wife. She called in one night drunk. I was drunk. 
and or maybe I was, maybe I was, I don't remember. I don't want to say that and then make that as an excuse. That's not why I said it. She she got mouthy with me. I I was being me on the CMS. I dropped a C bomb on her. Mm. The husband got mad. <laughs> as you can imagine. Her honor. Yeah, pretty much. And and we really haven't spoken in that was like four or five years ago, I think now, because it was before the pandemic. So it it, it was a while ago and, but I, I, so, so it was like, all right, maybe this will get me off the hate list if I can find a way to get passes. So I text my guy, Chris McNeil, and I was like, Hey, you know, can you hook me up with a couple of extra just in case, you know, I got these friends here and it, it would be such a big help if you could, whatever. No answer. I'm like, ah, fuck. I'm like, son of a bitch. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, well, let's see how we can work this. So I asked Seth, I said, I, we had that, again, we had that guy, Tony, that we got on the list. Mm-hmm. And Seth had told me that Tony probably wasn't going to bring his wife. Okay. But he wanted me to get him a ticket and a pass for his wife in case he did. So I did. I said, hey, did Tony get his extra pass? Seth hit me back, said, yeah. So I said, all right, I can get, so I got one. And I I told Neely, I said, best I could do. I got you one. I got you one pass for, for officer Jim. And you know, um, his, his sister's going to have to kind of hang back, but if she, if she comes up with me, I'll, you know, try and get her in, you know, cause I'm working security. I could have got right. anybody in. Right? So yeah. that was my thought was I could get them in. And if I got them in, then at least she could stand with officer Jim up until he takes the picture, you know, sure. might not have got to take the picture, but I didn't think that was a problem. She didn't give a shit about Michael Francis. So, so I, I worked it out. And then my friend, Adam, another one that I got a, a got a ticket for and a pass. He, decided he didn't want to wait for the meet and greet and he gave me the other pass so we gave it to neely's sister so we got it all hooked up okay so we so it was it. a ticket and a pass and so you were able to split up the things to yeah. utilize them yeah exactly right. so we we get ever we get we get them in when when the meet and greet starts it's absolute chaos because there's pass people and there's vip ticket holders and the vip ticket holders got they got a book signed where the, the pass holders didn't get a book. So I'm being security guy. I'm trying to get people in and in line. And, you know, if you're this pass, go to this line. If you're that pass, go to that line. And I'm running people around. And Chris McNeil, the other guy, he's running people around. And this other guy, Dean, we're all running around trying to get people set up. And then at one point, I'm trying to do some security because a bunch of idiots are messing with Mike, not messing with, but harassing michael francis's wife you had to step in and i i I just kind of got between these idiots and and her and i was like go get in line you know you know (laughs) i was just like go get in line you know i didn't i didn't have to push anybody or nothing i mean it wasn't it wasn't like that i didn't even have to raise my voice but it was one of those i just saw the the way where she was sitting was right when you came in so i had to kind of i kind of just got in between them and I said to her, I said, do you want me to get these guys out of your, out of your hair? And she gave me one of these, you know, like kind of yes, but not saying, not saying yeah, because right. she didn't want to be the asshole, but sort of, yeah, you know, so I just kind of 
move it along. You know, and I kind of stood in between and moved them. So in any event, Neely, Neely comes through, uh, Seth comes through and Seth has the fake leg. So at a little, at some point, Seth had texted me and he's like, dude, I cannot stand in this line for two hours with the fake leg. I was like, all right. I was like, I'll come and get you and I'll take you to the green room. So I take Seth to the green room and his wife and I get them in the green room to just kind of sit back. And then at some point, Neely comes over with his brother-in-law and his sister. And they were still waiting to get their stuff signed too. So I said, I, I see Jim and I'm like, hey man, how are you? And cold as an ice cube. It was a, shook my hand, but didn't even say hello. he's like aching yeah and 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 the you know and neely's sister didn't even say hello to me either you know but i was like all right whatever you know but but i made i i made a my point to this whole story is i made a real effort to to without apologizing because i don't do that you know to kind of say hey let's let that go you know let's let it go I tried to hook you up. I did hook you up. And Neely texted me yesterday and said, yeah, you're off the hate list with Officer Jim. So, Oh, good so to hear. I made a, I, I remade a friend or an acquaintance, I'll say. I don't know that we're friends yet. but <laughs> And in the back of your mind, it probably feels better to know you squashed some kind of. Beef. Yeah, well, because I didn't think it was a thing anyway, really. Yeah. I, I really, truly did not think it was a thing when it happened. I just knew. I mean, I, I say Kant a lot just generally mm-hmm. so for me it's not it's not the horrible c word you know it's just yeah. a, a fucking cunt you know whatever you know it just is it just rolls off my tongue a lot of the times so so i i just rolled with it and it just came out of my mouth in the middle of i mean you, you know you anybody that's heard the cms knows cms is all just whatever happens happens yeah you know and we were riffing and it came out of my mouth so but yeah, I, I felt like okay. Well, I I did squash this, which is good because I don't need retired officer Jim to kill me. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. You know, but um, but yeah, the um, the the mob, the Michael Francis. I don't want to keep calling him a mobster because he hasn't been in thirty years or whatever. He's he's been out since retired made man. Well, he's one of two that I know of. The only two that got uh, got out and didn't die is him and um, him and um, Sammy the Bull. And he didn't require any witness relocation no. or anything. He just retired from it, and he, nobody well, there's comes no after retiring him. from it. There was a right. there was a bounty on his head forever. There was okay. a I think he said two hundred and fifty thousand dollar bond on his head to Ooh. whoever killed him. Mm. for years but he was he, was he a recluse back then when he when that was going on he he told the story during the show that he ended up doing his jail time in lompoc out out your way okay and um and when he did that he was when he got out he stayed in california as far away from new york as you could possibly yeah. be you know so he was away from all of the mob the mob guys that were still left, you know, from the five families, he was mm-hmm. all the way away. And, and he said what he said, and I get, I'm, he knows more than me, but he said that there's not really any real mob presence and there never really has been in California, California. The only mob presence is 
the onesie twosies that invaded the entertainment world. Right. You know, the, like the overseers that got into the movie world and the music world, but, but there was not like mob setup that took over the, I don't know, the beaches or something or whatever, <laughs> you know, right. whatever you would take over in California. So, so yeah, so that's, um, that's, that's my story over, over the weekend, man. We, uh, we did a little, little mob stuff and it was fun and, um, you know, good times. I'm, so now you could say, Hey, I know some people. Well, now I can say I'm a mob enforcer. Yeah. I, that's right. I did mob enforcement. Um, I did it well, <laughs> I guess. And, um, and he's going to bring some great guests back to the show, um, for some other stuff. And I'll tell him, I don't care. I'm no surprises here. Uh, he's going to bring us Chaz Palm and Terry to the show, which that's pretty solid. That's a, you know, Bronx tale. If you've seen a Bronx tale. Right. Yeah. You know, and wow. he's going to bring us uh, Joe Pistone, who's the guy that they made Donnie Brasco about. I thought you were going to say Joe Piscopo. No, not Joe Piscopo. Joe Pistone. <laughs> Baby, don't hurt me no more. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, we're. Um, not at the Roxbury. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> you know, doing all that goofy shit. So. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was a good good weekend, good good time to be out and um glad to get you out of the house, Chris. That's good, oh, man. I, well, dude, it, it was the I will say this, it was the first it was the longest time that I've done on this goddamn shoulder. That was a bonus. Was that I you know, I mean, the longest time in 5 months I think I've been dealing with this shoulder pain. Right. That was the longest I had been out of bed eight straight hours in five months. You know, I mean, I've, I've been having to, and I really haven't talked about it on any of the shows, but I kind of have to be up for an hour or two and then lay down for an hour or two to, to let it settle back down because it's been a lot of pain. And the only time I've done any sort of a longer time was about a month ago when I went and saw our guests tonight, Pissing Razors. I went out and saw them um, about a month ago in, mm. uh, in a club, but I literally called the club, found out exactly what time they were playing. I've been to the club a hundred times, so I knew exactly what time to leave to get there and get parked and get in. Right. I, I literally got there, got parked, wasn't there five minutes, and they hit the stage. Boom. Hit the stage. They played their set, played an hour or whatever, and I left. Just right back in the car and right back home. And that was the longest I had put on my shoulder, which was about three and a half hours. And I died. I absolutely died in pain. And I ain't gonna lie. I died in pain on Sunday, all day yesterday. I was, I was eating aspirin like it was Pez. (laughs) Oh, bummer. I mean, it definitely was hurting, but I'm not going to let it stop me. I got things I want to do. You know, I, I got a Pantera show coming up in a month. Mm-hmm. Um, what about CBD stuff? Uh, I'm hearing good things, man. On, on Some of it's kind of a little spendy, but there's some ointments that are like a mix of CBD and uh, the uh, the other yeah, the, <laughs> stuff the, to get you high, too. Yeah, uh, I, I mean. But you rub it on there. It's supposed to work. Yeah, I haven't tried it. I'm, I'm, a, I'm weird about painkiller pain things because... Um, the pain, the, my problem with the pain stuff is I'm such an addict that if I do pain stuff, I'll keep doing it. Well, this is like a topical 
ointment. You know yeah, well, I mean? that you know, I would try. You don't that snort would, it or smoke it. No, or that I would try, but, you know... Leaning in on a pot pen or something on a you know a vape or something like that. No, no, I'm not saying I'd that. be smoking pot all day, every not day, not at all. Within a month, that. this is a cream. This is yeah. a cream. This is actually when it's the CBD one. It's not even I don't think an illegal thing, but it's you know some people are saying it helps their right. muscles and arms and you know sore areas. So something to maybe try sometime if somebody yeah, could I, has some and would let Chris try it. You should send it to him. Yeah, I mean, or I'll buy it. I'll, I mean, I. I used to take this. I used to buy the C, the CBD gummies, and I just yeah. ate them to eat them like during the day, just because. Why not? How, how did those do it? Did those help at all? Yeah, they were, I mean, they were. I wasn't even really taking them for pain. I just liked okay. them. You know? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just liked them, and they mellowed me out a little bit, so I was right. taking them. Um, but yeah, they. Because um, those I aren't mean, supposed to get you high either. The no, CBD they didn't get gummies. me high. Right. They just mellowed me out a little bit, and. Um, mm. And that was good, um, but you know, I, I, I just kind of, I, I don't take pain meds pretty much ever. I just, the problem is when I was going through the burn thing, mm-hmm. I was eating Percocets like they were candy. I mean, yeah. I was just eating them by the hand to the point that my doctor took me off them because he thought I was selling them. Cause I oh. had a, because I lived so far from the hospital, he gave me just an open, un- you know, un- unlimited, unlimited refills. refills. Okay. And I was going through, I was supposed to use a bottle a month that I was using a bottle like every three days. And the doctor literally asked me at one point, he's like, are you selling this stuff? Right. Tell me honestly. I was like, no, I'm just taking them by the handfuls. He's like, that's it for you. Tylenol threes for two weeks and then aspirin. Were you and- sick when you had to stop taking them? Did it, not too were you bad. able to just do uh, dude, the I was, still, I was still a wreck from the burns. So, right. Okay. I'm texting Karabi's guy right now because he is not here. No, John. Can you text him? Question mark. My uh, my dad I heard from, and he, he just had a kneecap replacement surgery, and he sent me a picture, and he was, like, sitting in his house holding a medicine bottle of <laughs> some kind of pain management right. stuff but when you have something like that done you have to take take that you have a yeah. surgery like that oh that i'm sorry that's because i'm an idiot john's coming on at nine o'clock <laughs> oh okay well there you go <laughs> all right so much for that <laughs> <laughs> well uh yeah my backdrop tonight are a bunch of razors for the pissing razors guys oh nice very nice i thought that looked pretty metal since See, it's there they are the pissing razors guys that's right yeah, I'm a, I'm such a fan. You're not a, you don't know them at all. Do you? I'm not that familiar, but you're going to play some of their music right tonight. I am. Uh, and their show was good that you saw oh, recently. Dude. Let me tell you about pissing razors real quick. Okay. I'll give this this story right now, and then I'll tell more when they're on because I am. All right. I am just a giant fan. They came out in the mid '90s, and they were when they came out in the mid '90s. I thought they were going to be the band that was mega huge in between Pantera records. So Pantera put out a record and that would be good for a year. And then, you know how there's always like a wedge band. There's like a band that's not as successful, but they're really, really good. Sure. Like, like fear factory would be one of those bands that would be like between Rob zombie or white zombie releases. You'd get a white zombie record. That was really, really good. 
And then you would have Fear Factory, which was also really, really good, but not as good mm-hmm. or not as popular. So it would have like a six-month window. And then by the time that six-month window was over, then the main band would be back. That's what I thought Pissing Razors were going to be, because they sound like Pantera a lot. You know, just very, very influenced by Pantera. So I loved them from day one. As, as, you, as you're well aware, Pantera, my favorite band ever. Mm-hmm. I, I used to go see them back, and they would come through Cleveland a lot. And I saw them quite a few times in, in Cleveland playing at uh, the old Peabody's and you know, playing right. in front of like 100 people or whatever. <laughs> Didn't matter. What I remember most is they had a camper van, like an old camper van, and it had the big old, the big old Texas horns on the front. Oh, so yeah, right. they'd come driving into town with the Texas horns on the front of their van. It was fucking hysterical, but they were the real deal back then. And I've all, I, they've never left my playlist ever. You know, I all these years later, they broke up for a while and then they got back together. They had singer changes and now the new, the, the original guy is back, but they've, they've had all kinds of stuff, you know, band stuff that bands do have the breakups, the lineup changes, all that stuff. They came back in 2021 with a new album. And it just fucking ripped my face off again. And I was like, yes, this is fantastic. And believe it or not, I have been trying to get them on even before. I was trying to get Pissing Razors to do Chris Aiken Presents before you joined the show even. I was just trying to get an interview set up with them, and I didn't know anybody in the camp. So I was just doing it the, you know, the BS way. Throw a throw a message on facebook or whatever throw a message on twitter and then finally what ended up happening is whoever managed one of their pages checked it after like eight months or something and found my request for an interview passed it on and now we got the interview set up but but i i'm i'm i am personally so stoked to have pissing razors on this is look last week i'm gonna say was a little more of an eric ferentino's week because the bands <laughs> right. are more in your line last week. I'm, I, 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 nothing against either band. I thought I, I like both bands and, and they were both great last week on the, on the show. But this is a Chris Aiken week. These <laughs> Pissing Razors, one of my favorite heavy bands ever. John Karabi might be my favorite singer of all time. Hell, mm-hmm. I wrote this book right here about John Karabi. Wow. You know, I mean, I'm, I am all the way in. Karabi is literally one of those guys for me that if he was, if he was singing the phone book, I'd be right there going two, one, nine, three, one, four. I'd be right there singing with him Cause I, I would be all in on anything that that guy does. And I have been, you know, with the scream, with Motley, with the solo stuff, you know, he, he had a few other bands before, before that, that I, I have, I have them in my collection. Now he's back with dead daisies. He's back with dead daisies. You know, he was, he was doing dead day and, and we're definitely going to talk about this. He was doing dead daisies. They were right on the cusp of kind of jumping into that next level. I mm-hmm. mean, they were right there. They were getting the right tours. They were touring with kiss and they were touring with like, they were really right there. And then they switched from John to Glenn Hughes. And 
then the pandemic hit on top of that. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to say it was a bad. I don't know that you could say it's a bad move when you when you replace one guy with a Hall of Fame guy. You know, right. I don't think, and I love Glenn too, so I don't even want to say that those records weren't good because they're great. But, but you know, I I just was like, man, they killed their moment. And I asked David Lowy this. You know, two weeks ago, I asked him about the momentum, and he agreed with me. He was like, yeah, it definitely lost the momentum that they had been building. And, right. you know, in hindsight, he, he wouldn't commit to, in hindsight, he wouldn't do it. But he's a he's a billionaire business guy. The last thing he's going to do is throw anybody under the bus. He's he's not stupid, you know. Yeah. But, he, but he was, he, I did ask him the question, and he was like, well, now John's back. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. he, he kind of went with that. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. So I, I can't wait to hear what they're going to do. I've loved the Dead Daisies, the the albums that John's done with them. I love the ones Glenn did. Hell, I like the one John Stevens from NXS did with him. So I'm, I'm in on the Dead Daisies. I didn't know that happened. That went down. The guy who did the Rockstar NXS sang on a Dead Daisies record. First album. Oh, yeah, wow. the, the, the very first one was him, I believe. And then John came in for revolution. Is it too early to hear some of that? No, we can play some. Of it. Like I just, I just want to hear the the because uh, I love NXS and I followed that well, rock star some. when they were looking for the guy and that's fine. That's kind of interesting to me. Let me find Dead Daisies, John Stevens. See what we can find here. Uh, videos. Dead Daisies with John Stevens. All right, let's pull this up. Presents. Let's share my screener screen. And here we go. Here's some of it with John Stevens. Okay. John Stevens, yeah. and it's not bad. That's the guy that that played with that won the contest and was forgot to play with uh, in excess. I think so. Maybe <sighs> I don't know. He looks a lot different. Maybe that's not it, the guy. And then I'm I'm looking at the guy who plays in GNR now on guitar. Yeah, that um, what's that? Richard Fortas. Yeah, yeah. There's there's only been like six hundred and forty thousand people that have been in the Dead Daisies. There's right. a lot of name guys that have been in the Dead Daisies. Dead Daisies have had, um, let's see, Marco Mendoza was in there. Dean Castronovo was in there. Uh, Aldridge is in there now. Karabi, Glenn Hughes. Mm-hmm. Um, Sound like they were going for like a Black Crows thing there. On that, but that, but they're they're different now. Right. You know, let's let's find. Dead. It sounded like hard to handle. Yeah, a little bit. It's getting hard to handle vibes off that Dead one. Daisies, Karabi. Yeah, I bet you this is going to be way better. 
Yeah, it is definitely William. Here, I'll play a cover. You want to hear a cover? You want to hear an original? I'll play an original. Yeah. I'll play Long Way to Go. That's what they sound like now. It's very different from what they started off doing. Right. Well, his voice sounds really great on that. Yeah, he's he's dude. Again, that's a guy who can sing anything. I'll listen to it. I I just think he's he is. I don't know the the next version of Steven Tyler for me. Right. I was one of the people that actually was was liked the the MC ninety four. Yeah, when it came out, I, I was love like, it. "This sounds freaking great, amazing!" Yeah. You know, especially the production and everything on it. So, it's, I was the only cool Motley record I still listen to. It's the and only I love one. To Scream too. Yeah, Scream was great too. I mean, dude, he's great. He has not to me. He hasn't done a bad record. His acoustic record is great. Yeah, you know, he has a song called Crash, which I'm gonna play if he shows up. But mm-hmm. um, I, I uh, he has a song called Crash that I actually pulled a monsters of rock cruise video of him singing it because it's like my favorite tune that he's ever done but it's the only video i could find of him doing it so you know but that song was like it came out the acoustic album came out in 2012 like right when i was going through my divorce and crash is about a divorce so it was kind of like my it was like a wedding crash wedding crashers no like a like a like a she broke my heart song Uh, (laughs) oh i thought it was about sneaking into weddings but is he better than Vince Neil? You still playing gigs with Vince Neil? Am I? Yeah. Uh, yeah. We're, <laughs> we're no comment. <laughs> no I comment. So. <laughs> I think they're both capable singers. They're they're, both they're, they're totally singers. different. Different yeah. singers. <laughs> Let me answer this question. Jack wanted to know what club was pissing razors in. They were in the Foundry over in Lakewood. That is where they played. So, um. Yeah, so Karabi, he's out on tour right now being solo guy. He's out playing with um, uh, Kip, Kip Winger, and with, um, uh, what's his name? Cinderella. Mm-hmm. Tom, Tom Kiefer. Kiefer. Yeah, Tom Kiefer, which Kiefer's doing like all Cinderella songs now. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I don't blame him. I, you know, that's the... That's, There's never going to be an original lineup again. Sadly, yeah. that you know, guitarist passed away. But it, but it's funny that that he does have two albums, and I think he's playing one 
one song off of the two records, maybe two, mm-hmm. and the whole rest of the set is all Cinderella. Well, as the as the years go by, these promoters start pushing that too, and yeah. it's like you want to ask for a certain amount of money, you got to deliver what they want, and that's the mm-hmm. Cinderella hits. We're in the same boat. Yeah, yeah, that's play it. Mostly rat stuff, and and I remember people promoters coming and, and demanding that and making sure it wasn't going to be something different at times. I, I'm curious on this. You don't have to answer it if you don't want to, but. Does Steven, is Steven okay with that? Or if he had his druthers, forget the money. If, if, if right. money was, if, if he had a hundred million dollars in the bank, mm-hmm. if he was Bon Jovi level, you know, or, or Metallica level financially, would he be Metallica level on playing arcade and all of, you know, songs that make him happy versus right. having, versus what he has to do now, which is kind of, you got to give the promoters pretty much what they're buying, which is fine. It took a I mean, long what- time. He, he, to answer your question, he did not want to do that. He, he initially, it's my opinion that it appeared he wanted to save most of the rat hits to play with the band rat. Okay, he wanted right. there to be a difference between seeing rat and seeing him live. He didn't, it wasn't okay. that he was trying to undercut them. There were two different animals right. to him for a long time. And it was, he was his motto was anything goes at the solo shows. Okay, and so he liked to be able to play an array of songs from his whether it was Vertex Arcade solo records, yeah, covers that he grew up listening to. He wanted it to be something more along those lines. But you know, over the years, you know, people would whine about it, or they'd be wanting mm-hmm. to hear, you know, other they'd be yelling out for songs we weren't playing, and right. little by little, to appease the crowd, you start slipping in some more of the old ones. Um, eventually, he was out pl- playing with Rat again, so the fans were getting, uh, you know, their Rat fix yeah. uh, for a while. But here we are, you know, we're all older. Time has marched on, yeah, and you can't be too big of an a-hole about it you gotta oh, yeah. no, make everybody and, happy. Get, and, and you know what dude and i get this from doing the shows now and what is always what always drives me nuts like even with the cms fans requesting songs and i mean it drives me fucking bonkers is the cms fans will request songs and it'll be a request for if it's rad it's wanted man or it's round and round or it's you know, lay it down. And it's like, all right, I know those are hits, but to me as a much more hardcore fan, those are the songs I'm fine. If I never hear again (laughs) for, for me, for, for me personally, the best time I've ever seen Steven perform. And I've seen 20, 20 some original rat shows. And I've seen you play with him at least five times. At okay. least five times. And the best time I saw was the one that you played at the Kent stage here. Okay. When me and you met for the first time. All right. Because you guys were not sticking to the rat schedule. You were playing Aerosmith covers. I think you played Nothing to Lose from Arcade. You know, you guys were really Priest. priest. Yeah, you were playing Judas mm-hmm. Priest. You were playing like a bunch of different stuff. Yeah. And it was a party. It felt like a party. Where Rat, to me, again, to yeah. me, even the original lineup of Rat was a very formulaic live experience. 
you sort of knew maybe the songs changed in order a little bit right but (laughs) but they played pretty much the same songs and i i think and this is more of a warren thing than a steven thing but i think warren knew what the fans wanted to hear which was note perfect to the record and Warren right. did that a lot. Warren Warren really, most of the times that I saw him, he would nail those solos like he did on the records. You know, they might be in a different tuning because of Steven's voice or why ever that you guys changed tuning. Certainly but, in the early days he was. I mean, I think later yeah. after the band took a big hiatus and he had uh, some years had gone in between, he, he kind of had Loosened more fun up. with it or just yeah. took the liberties that he's totally allowed to do. Yeah. Um, you know, but and and I mean I, I get it I I certainly get it but I I think when they were trying to be the biggest band in the world like everybody right. was back yes. in those eighties one of the ways that you became the biggest band I saw all those bands in those early eighties the Bon Jovi's Rats all those bands I saw them all and every single one of them was um you know when they were trying to be the biggest band in the world they tried to sound exactly like their records so that people would be would be very comfortable with what they were getting fed. You know, so. Right. All right. Well, let's do this. Mr. Karabi is in the green room waiting for us mm-hmm. as we speak. All so right. So why don't we do this? I am going to play a little bit of one of his tunes, my favorite tune that he's ever done. And then we will be back with John Karabi right here on Chris Hagen Presents. Mm-hmm. 